Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com. From St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. And ended up doing my PhD on elephant movement ecology and what it might mean for carbon sequestration in the forest. Will you participate in the study? Um, how would you how would you describe what carbon sequestration is and why it's important? Elephants, it turns out, prefer to eat the, the fast-growing, low-carbon-density trees because they're more nutritious. They're tastier, they're easier to digest. I'm Elaine Cha. If you've ever been told, as I was by my exasperated grandmother, to stop walking like an elephant, have I got news for you. As it turns out, elephants' movements and their diet do wonders for forests, and forest health in Central Africa goes trunk in hand with what happens in our atmosphere. So like moving, uh, moving like an elephant is not so bad, and forest elephant conservation has benefits that extend across the globe. A study published last month examines the link between mega herbivores in African forests, biodiversity, and climate change. Its senior author is Steve Blake, researcher and assistant professor of biology at St. Louis University. And he's here today to talk with us about that study's findings. Steve, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. So long story short, African elephants are key to Earth's survival. Indeed. They, they um, by their foraging habits and their, their seed disperse, their long-distance movements and dispersal of seeds, they garden the forest in ways that are beneficial not only for biodiversity but also for carbon sequestration, for mm-hmm. taking carbon out of the atmosphere and therefore um, having a positive impact on global warming, for example. What is the history of of studying that relationship? Um, and what was your first tip-off that you should be examining this a little bit more further or more deeply? So many people don't realize there are two species of African elephants, African savanna elephants and African forest elephants. And savanna elephants have been relatively well studied compared to the forest elephants. When I first went to Congo in 1990, There were very few studies of forest elephant ecology, and I was fortunate enough and privileged enough to work with the Wildlife Conservation Society and ended up doing my PhD on elephant movement ecology. And that included a study on the mutualistic relationship, so the mutually beneficial relationship between elephants and some forest trees. Some trees invest a lot in producing nice, big, tasty fruit. And inside the fruit are seeds. The elephants eat the fruits, and a day or two days later, they poo them out a few (laughs) miles away from the tree Mm -hmm. in a nice grow bag of elephant poo fertilizer. And they enhance the germination potential of those trees. 
Then a friend of uh, someone who is now a friend of mine, Fabio Berzaghi, the first author of the current paper, he's a computer modeler, environmental modeler, and he hasn't spent any time in Central Africa, but thinks a lot about ecological processes. He got in touch with me and said, I've got this model of elephant foraging and what it might mean for carbon sequestration in the forest. Will you participate in the study? So I did, and we published the study in 2019, saying basically the similar, a similar thing. Elephants enhance the ability of the forest to capture carbon from the atmosphere. But what we weren't sure about were the mechanisms by which elephants do that. And this current paper talks about what those methods and methodologies, um, uh, mechanics of elephant ecosystem engineering are. So in, if you were to talk about this in casual conversation. Like um, we're having now, you mean? Um, yes, or e even more casual. Um, how would you how would you describe what carbon sequestration is and why it's important? So, as as we know, um, environmental pollution, carbon dioxide pollution from burning fossil fuels, is a, a major driver of current climate change. And trees are one of the plants, particularly trees, are one of the most efficient methods we have for removing that carbon that, that is released by burning fossil fuels from the atmosphere. Trees do that through photosynthesis, which captures carbon dioxide from the atmosphere and turns it into, with water, turns it into sugar. And those sugars are converted into various other um, large molecules that the trees need to grow. But essentially, most of a tree's biomass, almost all of a tree's biomass, except for a tiny fraction, comes from captured carbon dioxide from the atmosphere. So trees grow because they capture carbon. In the forests of Central Africa, we can the, there's a wide variety of trees, but we can think about them as two major types. There are fast-growing trees that contain uh, low quantities of carbon. Their wood isn't very heavy, so that they have low-density wood. Now, why is their wood not very dense? It's because there's a relatively low number of carbon atoms in that wood. The other main type of trees are the high-carbon-density trees, and they grow very slowly. And why are they heavy? They're heavy because they have a high density of carbon atoms, which they've taken from the atmosphere. Elephants, it turns out, prefer to eat the, the fast-growing, low-carbon-density trees because they're more nutritious, they're tastier, they're easier to digest. The high-carbon-density trees don't taste very good. They have some secondary chemical toxins that the plant produces to deter herbivores. That means elephants leave them alone. Mm -hmm. Therefore, elephants cause more damage and more mortality to the fast-growing trees. That releases um, space, nutrients, and light for the high-carbon-density trees to capture and grow more vigorously and grow better and therefore capture more carbon. So that relationship um, of what what the elephants are, are doing, what they're eating, um, the, the prodigious 
seed dispensing that they do. Um, this has been the subject of what you've been studying now. Um, how have people responded to the findings in this paper? We've had some uh, fairly extensive press and publicity on the paper, but as far as broader dissemination through news media such as your show and through TV, for example, uh, we haven't had a great deal. However, um, the results of this paper and our previous one that my friend Fabio also uh, led um, have resulted in in organizations like the International Monetary Fund, the World Bank, thinking about elephants and forests in a different way to which they had previously. Mm -hmm. If we keep elephants alive and we maintain forests with elephants in them, they have a positive impact on our ability to mitigate carbon dioxide pollution. Mm -hmm. And what is it that does endanger forest elephants in Africa, and I believe there are some in Asia as well. Um, and how has that changed in the years that you have studied forest elephants? So elephants are threatened across their range, both in Asia and in Africa. And they're primarily threatened because of the illegal ivory trade. There is a vibrant m illegal market, primarily um, in Asia, primarily these days in um, China, uh, for ivory. And people have used ivory for thousands of years for ornaments and for tools. It's part of culture. What isn't realized uh, by people that buy ivory usually is that ivory is actually elephants' teeth. And elephants' teeth are obtained by killing elephants. And in some case, chopping their teeth out of their skull mm -hmm. while they're still alive right. to feed the illegal ivory trade. So on the one hand, we have an expanding, growing population of poor forest dwellers in Central Africa that need food to feed their families. We have an increasing wealthy population of people that potentially want to buy and like ivory. And we have more and more extensive trade systems between, say, Africa and Asia, routes in which an illegal, illegal smuggling operations can happen. Mm -hmm. And the combination of the thirst for ivory, the, the demand for ivory from people that like to buy ivory for ornaments, and those increasing trade routes mean that forest elephants in particular are ever more threatened mm -hmm. from um, population loss and potential extinction. They're a critically endangered species today. So is there anything from this study, and in order to do the study, you'd mentioned the people who inhabit the areas around where forest elephants dwell. Um, is there anything you know that is not readily apparent in this study or reports from it that we should know, um, especially when it comes to continued research? I think perhaps we should know about the relative inability to do law enforcement in Central Africa and the relatively great need of people to make a living in Central Africa, we should also remember that many of the people at the sharp end of elephant poaching will say, you know, how can people shoot elephants? We don't, we don't like elephant poachers. We don't like the notion. We think they're bad people. 
some of my best friends are people that have killed hundred, literally hundreds of elephants. They might not own a pair of shoes and they make nothing out of killing a four-ton elephant and giving the ivory to a merchant who's going to sell it through the ivory trade to people that are then going to make a lot of money. Well, given that that is the situation and what you've said about the ivory trade, I think it's something that I remember hearing a lot more about in the past. Um, when you were talking with our producer, Emily Woodbury, you mentioned that this work can be hard and that it can feel like watching a failure. What motivates you to keep doing it anyway and what helps you maintain some hope? Well, I have always loved being out in the woods and I was lived and worked in Central Africa for about eight, 18 years. And you know, there I am, a wildlife biologist living in one of the most biodiverse places on earth. And yet, as you say, you feel that your efforts, you, feel, you see this tsunami of destruction coming your way through the, through the logging trade, through various environmental problems facing Central Africa and facing the world you see elephant numbers decline. And yet, at the same time, the conservation movement in Central Africa um, has led to Central African governments vastly increasing, for example, the surface area of forest under protection. Now, people say, yeah, they're just paper parks. Ability to manage them isn't terribly good. And that is true. But the legislation is there to protect very large areas of the Congo Basin. And the international community needs to support those efforts to, to protect the forest it has. Steve Blake is a researcher and assistant professor of biology at St. Louis University. He spoke with us about the role forest elephants play in maintaining biodiversity and mitigating global climate change. Thank you, Steve, for joining us today. Thank you very much. This episode was produced by Maya Norfleet and Elaine Cha. Audio engineering and podcast design by Aaron Dorr. Our production intern is Avery Rogers. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. podcast proudly supports St. Louis artists by using music from Life Creative Group. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thanks. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com.